0: What makes a good songwriter? Is it how many good songs you write? Is it your ratio of good songs to not so good songs? Or should a songwriter just be measured by their best songs? Or should they be measured by their worst songs? Or on average, how good their songs are? Regardless of how you think a good songwriter should be measured today, we're gonna talk about three common traits that I see in someone that either is or will become a good songwriter. We're gonna talk about that right now. Welcome to another episode of Songwriter Theory. Today we are talking about three traits of what makes a good songwriter. So the goal of this is to talk through three traits that hopefully you already have, and if so, you should cultivate. Or if you don't really have them, three traits that you know you should develop because these are some of the core things that will ensure you become a very good Songwriter, so tips are very important. I think we talk about tips a lot here, right like we can we can dive into something specific like sometimes it is helpful and useful to dive into like this is what an ad chord is here's how you can use that in your songs that can be very helpful, but I think it's also really, really important to get certain fundamentals and to get some sort of philosophy to build your really any sort of creativity, but certainly songwriting around. So this is definitely one where I want to get to the heart of what I think really ends up making somebody a good songwriter over time without really getting into what makes a good songwriter for like, you know, some of those is a good songwriter, somebody who consistently outputs a certain number of good songs. Is it a ratio of good songs to bad songs? I think that's an interesting discussion, Um, but we're here to make sure that you and I become as good a songwriter as we can. So what's actually useful here is, of course, to talk about what those core traits are that will ensure we become a good songwriter. First trait, understands strengths and weaknesses and plays to them. So we've talked about this before. We all have strengths and weaknesses, right? Uh, One of the common things I bring up is, or at least I think I have brought up before, is James Taylor. So James Taylor, however you feel about him, the dude knows how to play to his strengths. He might have a vocal range of like an octave, and for 99% of his songs, it does not matter. Now, I've heard a couple songs where he actually shows he does have some range or whatever. But for the most part, for most of the songs that you and most people know and love of James Taylor, or maybe you don't love James Taylor, that's fine, but beyond the point— Almost all his songs are sort of in that lullaby sort of mid range, true baritone range, right? Very singable songs. And it really caters to his musical strengths, which I see James Taylor has two major musical strengths. One is his voice is smooth like butter. His, his baritone is just a gorgeous smooth baritone, right? And he plays to that. He uses it constantly. Uh, Maybe three major uh, positives. Another one is conversational lyrics. He's just very good at at sort of intimate conversational lyrics, which also plays to that like lower vocal range, acoustic sound. And then the third thing, another major thing, he's a great, great, great guitarist, um, and he utilizes that in his acoustic guitarists, right? Like you just you, you just know when it's in a, a James Taylor acoustic part, right? So he plays to those strengths. Now, he might have a weakness of not having a very big vocal range, for all you know. Um, And I'm not entirely sure that he has a big vocal range. I I don't think he does. He has a bigger one than you probably think he does. But um, it doesn't matter, right? Because he's playing to his strengths, which means that his weaknesses don't matter as much. So let's say for the sake of argument that it is a weakness of his that he doesn't have a very large vocal range. Who the heck cares? cares? Right. It, it doesn't matter. It's irrelevant because of the music he plays, the music he writes. It doesn't really matter. Right. So that's a great example of playing to strengths, which is something that you and I should do. Right. So maybe as a vocalist, you are great at at like pristine vocal control. Right. And you can sort of do that R&B style singing where they do like a ton of like intervals and leaps all within like a one second right they did a bunch of trills or you know fancy stuff like I can't do that but if you can do that and and you like that sort of thing play to that right like that's a cool ability to be able to do that but on the other side you know maybe you just have a massive vocal range and you can really belt the heck out of high notes right play to that then maybe like that gives you these, this opportunity to have very emotional, um, high note choruses, right. Where, where you're just belting these high notes and it sounds good. And it doesn't matter that you're not skilled enough to do all those, those, you know, sort of fancy vocalizations that, that some artists may be, some other artists may be able to do. It doesn't matter, right. Because you're not trying to do that. It's so, Maybe it is a weakness of yours, maybe it's not. Nobody will ever know, nor will they ever care. And that applies to instruments too, right? So if you're if you're a great guitarist and not a very good pianist, then why are you writing all your songs on the piano, right? Play to your strengths as an instrumentalist. If you're a great, great guitarist, utilize that in your songwriting. If you're a really good pianist, play to that in your songwriting, right? Like, There's a reason why more of my songs are written on the piano. And a part of it is that I think it's a stronger songwriting tool than the guitar overall, as I've talked about before, especially for the things that I treasure in a song, which are melody... um, lyrics of course, but, but melody is sort of my, my focus and then chords, but rhythm is really not a huge focus of mine. If rhythm and chords were a bigger focus and melody less so then I would think the guitar would be stronger for that. But that's, so that's one reason, right? Like I just, because of what I value in a song, piano happens to fit that better. But the other part of it is just that I'm a much better pianist than I am a guitarist. So practically speaking, it just makes sense to do more writing, and to have more songs that are based on the piano. It makes more sense, in my mind at least, in a, in a concert setting, to imagine more songs, me sitting at the piano, than me sitting with a guitar. So it's important that you sort of do these same things, because in my mind, the best thing that you can do is play to your strengths, meaning make sure you... I don't want to say show off, but utilize your strengths, right? If you have a massive vocal range and you can belt really high notes, but you never do it, like that's a strength you have that you're not even using. Like why, right? Like everybody wants to have a bigger range that Like, would you say like, oh, well that range isn't very useful. Like, no, of course it's useful. It can add certain emotion to a song that you just can't get from using a smaller vocal range, Right? Like that's, that's part of the advantage of a range is your ability to sort of jump up and hit higher notes and, and, and have a disparity, right? Between lower notes that feel more intimate. And then that high note that feels, you know, strong and crying out or, you know, whatever the emotion of the song is, but it just sounds more emotional, right? Vocal range is, is, is a big deal in that way, you know, and if, if you have a beautiful bass voice, right. Or a beautiful alto voice and you don't have much of a range. Who cares, right? Play to that strength of having that beautiful alto, of having that beautiful baritone or bass voice, right? Play to your strengths, Thing, which which of course means you have to figure out what your strengths are, right? Which which can take some introspection, right? Like be honest with yourself. Maybe you're not very good at writing guitar parts and all your guitar parts are kind of forgettable, but your melodies are baller. Your, your melodies are amazing, right? And or or you're often, you know, you are utilizing your vocal range to its fullest. Um, You know, another example of perhaps minimizing weaknesses would be five for fighting. I'm a big fan of five for fighting. If you don't know who that is uh, Superman or 100 years um, chances, um, what kind of world do you want? Which is just called world. Um, But anyway, like he originally tried to go in the opera direction which wasn't, I think in his words, his cup of tea, right? Like he, he wasn't really built for that. Um, but through Superman and a hundred years and some of the other hits, he sort of realized his sound was like, he, he doesn't really belt high notes. He uses his falsetto to a part, to a point that is a part of his sound, right? Like the sound of five for fighting is kind of guy sitting at piano, singing a ballad, using falsetto, Right. Like like if I could really boil down what the sound of five for fighting is, it's that right. Like using a falsetto is a, is a very important part of his courses where I might choose to belt courses generally. I like I use it as well, but playing to strengths. Right. Like so for me, a, a, a bigger strength is belting high notes. So I play to that for him. His falsetto is very strong, and I think his vocal range without the falsetto is maybe not that strong. So he's minimizing a weakness while also playing to a strength at the same time. These are the sort of things that you want to do. Note that you want to do these in two ways. You have songwriting strengths and weaknesses, right? Like, you know, maybe you're strong at writing rhythms or you're strong at writing bass lines or you're strong at writing guitar licks. Maybe you're not so strong at writing chord progressions. Maybe you're not so strong at, you know, on the other side, writing bass lines, right? So... Play to your strengths in songwriting, but also play to your strengths in your musical abilities, right? So that can be your your singing ability, your instrument ability, all that sort of stuff. So make sure you're looking at it in both those ways, right? Songwriting strengths and weaknesses, musical ability or musical, you know, musicianship strengths and weaknesses as well. Trait number two. You are not complacent. And I think this really applies to anything, not just songwriting. But in general, complacency is just like when you stop swimming, right? When you stop swimming, that's when you drown, right? And I think that's true with a lot of things, right? Like the second that I say, oh, I'm good enough at podcasting or the podcast or the video quality is good enough is the second that I might be in trouble, right? I, I should keep trying to figure out what's a better way that I can help you, the listener or the watcher, if you're on YouTube, right? Like I need to keep asking myself, well, what can I do better? How can I help you better, right? Is, is it better maybe that I should do this podcast style video and then have other videos that are more edited where I address certain questions. Would it be helpful, for instance, and you can, if you're on YouTube, let me know in the comments, because I would actually like to know the answer to this. And if you're on iTunes, if you're on a podcast, answer this question by like leaving a review, hopefully four or five stars on iTunes. And then in the comments, answer this question. But I would like to know, like, would it be helpful? Maybe have like a question of the week where I take one of your questions that you can answer that you can ask. In a comment on YouTube or maybe send to me an email and I actually make a video dedicated to answering that question as best I can. I don't know. Maybe that would be super helpful and a good thing to do. Maybe it would be a good thing for me to do a live stream every Saturday morning where, you know, I just talk about like I literally just put the set the camera up and do songwriting And you can watch or not watch, and you can hang out and songwrite with me, right? And maybe I'll answer questions or comments that I see come up. I don't know, right? But like, if I'm, if I need to keep asking these questions of how to get better at what I do so that I can help you in the same way that we all need to be not being complacent when it comes to songwriting, right? It's great that you just wrote your new best song, right? I love that feeling. I had that feeling fairly recently. I'm fairly convinced that a song that I've written in the past year is my new best ever song, right? My new highest standard song. And sometimes you go years without beating your previous best song, right? And I don't think there's anything wrong with that for the record. And I also don't think that you should be trying to always one up the last song, right? I don't think that's a very good, healthy endeavor. You should want to get better as a songwriter as a whole, you should want to constantly be getting as a songwriter, better as a songwriter, but that doesn't mean that you need to constantly one up your last effort, right? Like if a football quarterback has a great game, he doesn't need to think and next week I need to have an even better game, right? Like cuz at some point that it's just not possible, right? If you throw for 500 yards and five touchdowns, Like you're just realistically, you're not going to be able to do that every week. The game plan won't even cater to you being able to do that. Right. The game plan might be more run first because, you know, reasons I won't go too far down the football rabbit hole. You're welcome. But but the idea, right, is is overall you shouldn't become complacent because because complacency is the biggest enemy of greatness. Right, because once you start being like, ah, good enough, is when you're no longer improving, and you might even be getting worse, but you just don't even notice it because you're too busy being complacent. A complacent person doesn't improve, right? And we should we should be we shouldn't be competing with each other, right? As much as I am very pro competition, you know, I I always give football examples, right? I I freaking love the NFL, and I loved playing sports as a kid. I still love playing sports. I was an intramural. Uh, volleyball league, I uh, used to do that, but apparently I was like too competitive or whatever. And some people complained cause it was like, it was supposed to be a work beer league and people whined and complained that I actually wanted to win. Imagine that. It's not like I was mean to anybody or anything, but like I took it seriously. God forbid people take things seriously. I don't, whatever. Anyway, point being, I'm a very competitive person, but I don't think that music is a place to be competitive. So you shouldn't be trying to write a better song than me or to write a better song than your favorite artist or to write a better song than, you know, that that that, that other band in town that you don't really care for because the lead singer is kind of a jerk, right? Like, that's not who you should be competing with. Don't be competing with anybody with music. We should be collaborating, right? Like, the whole point of this, right, is the the, the inherent underlying cause of me doing this podcast me doing these videos is to help make sure that they are, that other people become better at songwriting, right? So if you become the greatest songwriter of all time, I consider that a win, right? Like I inherently in what I'm doing, trying to teach people songwriting, the hope is there's more great songwriters, right? Which is collaboration, right? So in theory, you should be cheering for me and I should be cheering for you. And, you know, the whole phrase, whatever it is of like high water raises all ships, right? So what I'm not saying is that you should be competing with other people to make sure you get better and better and better, but you should be constantly sort of competing with yourself or challenging yourself to constantly get better, right? Because that's the opposite of complacency. We're talking about not being complacent. So what is not being complacent? It's the idea that I love how far I've come as a songwriter, right? I'm a much better songwriter now at 27 than I was 10 years ago at 17, right? I'm a better songwriter at 27 than I was even a couple of years ago at, you know, 24, right? And my goal is that when I'm 37, I'll say, wow, I'm so much better of a songwriter now at 37 than I was at 27, right? Because it's a good thing if you keep you know every couple of years you have a new best song right or or you know if if you had a greatest hits but greatest hits weren't actual hits it's just you had to pick your five best songs you've ever written if every 5 years all five of those songs are different that that's a good thing right because it means you're you're continually getting better as a songwriter and if you're continually getting better then you know the worst songwriter you'll ever be is the one you were before so may seem obvious, and that's because it is, which is not being complacent is something that you need to be to become or to even be a good songwriter or a great songwriter. You can't be complacent. You can't be like, ah, good enough. Good enough is the enemy of greatness. Don't do that. Trait number three, Consistency. Now, consistency is another thing that I think is just a sort of altruism of, of life in general. Consistency is everything. Let's take marriage or just any relationship. You can be faithful to your spouse for 40 years, except one day, and it's all destroyed. Right. Like you can't you don't you don't get points for being a great uh, as a man, I'll just say husband. So let's go husband. If I if I'm a great husband for 40 years, but then fail to be faithful after 40 years in one day. That perfect consistency has now become not consistent and everything falls apart. Right. Right. Now, not everything's that extreme, right? Like you don't have to write a great song every day or whatever. But 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 the idea is like consistency is everything. Let's go to a swimming example, because usually I talk about the NFL. So let's go Olympics this time. If Michael Phelps. Back in the day, yes, I know he's retired, but let's be honest, he's probably still the only swimmer that you know the name of, right? Am I wrong? I don't know. It's true for me anyway. So Michael Phelps, right? Greatest Olympian of all time as of right now, which is 2020. If he decided to not show up in the quarterfinals race, he wouldn't have even made it to the semifinals and certainly wouldn't have made it to the finals where he needed to win in order to get his gold medal or one of his, like, 18 gold medals or whatever he ended up getting, some stupid amount, crazy amount, right? So he couldn't afford to have an off day on quarterfinals day. Now, maybe to an extent because he was so much better than the rest of the world. Okay, but let's ignore that for a second, right? The idea is consistency is how you win. Consistency is is the most reliable thing, right? Like, if if he were a swimmer that was either the best person in the pool or the worst person in the pool, even if he was by far the most dominant best person in the pool 50% of the time, but the other 50% of the time he was, like, bottom 25% person in the pool, he'd never even make it to the finals. He might break all the world records for fastest swim time, right? Right. But he breaks that record in the quarterfinals, and then he shows up to the semifinals, and then he's just underwhelming. He wouldn't even make the finals, right? So he might have that record, but he wouldn't even have the gold medal to show for it. He wouldn't even have a a bronze medal, right? He wouldn't have even shown up in the finals because he would have been out by the semifinals, right? Or, you know, in any sport, right? There's usually a playoff, at least in American sports. So let's take football. If you get the bye round. You still have three rounds to go, right? You need to win your divisional round. You need to win the conference championship, and then you need to win the Super Bowl. If you can't string together three really good games, you're never going to win the Super Bowl, right? A team needs to be able to put together three games in a row that are good, which shows consistency, right? And then to even make the playoffs, they had to be consistent, right? They couldn't go on a six-game losing streak. And then make the playoffs. I mean, they could if they won all their other games, but generally speaking, if you go on a six game losing streak, you're done, right? Like, you can't do that because you need to be consistent. So, this is true of all things, right? Consistency is so, so important. So, what does consistency look like as a songwriter? Well, one thing is that you consistently write. This may sound simple, and it is simple, but you have to write, right? You can't just. Decide to write once every two months when you feel like it. You can't just, you know, go with your whims and, you know, one week you write for like an hour and then the next five weeks you don't write at all. Or, you know, maybe you write for 15 minutes a day for like a week, but then you don't write at all for the next week and you get out of the habit, right? Like, no. You need consistency, right? Consistency will get you there. Even doing simple math, right? If you do 15 minutes a day consistently, that might be a tiny amount, right? Like 15 minutes is nothing. But 15 minutes a day, seven days a week, right? Now you're looking at almost two hours every week of songwriting consistently. With only 15 minutes a day, easy to get in that habit, right? But if you just have the habit of once in a while, you have a whole songwriting day every two months, like, okay, good for you. Let's say you get four hours of good songwriting in it every two months with the 15 minutes a day, which is a tiny thing where you're consistently doing that. And let's be honest, right? You're never cutting off at 15 minutes every time, right? One day you do 15 minutes, the next day you do 15 minutes with well, next day, it probably became two hours, right? But you consistently had the habit of doing at least 15 minutes of writing Some days it expands to more, but if you go days and weeks without doing it at all, now you're playing catch up constantly in a sense, right? Because you were just going to automatically get a bunch of hours of writing in from writing consistently, but because you don't write consistently, now it's like, I hope the muse is going to be there for the one day every two months that you write, right? Like Which the percentage chance of that is very low, right? And and you might not even know when the muse is there, right? Like oftentimes I think, I'm not, I don't feel like writing. I'm not inspired to write, but then I actually start writing and then psh, there's the muse, right? So, but if you're not writing consistently, you wouldn't even know that, right? So then what's the, what's the next thing? So you're consistently writing but you also need to consistently write good songs, right? So a part of that is consistently writing, right? If you're consistently writing, it's going to be easier to consistently write some good songs, but it's also important that you're not just writing songs, right? I've talked about before, there seems to be two methodologies and I'm surprised that the more popular methodology seems to be write like a hundred songs for an album and then keep the 12 or 10 that make the album and the rest are garbage that nobody would have wanted to hear. And I always am confused at that because it it seems to me that if you're, you know, 30% of the way through a song and you realize, wow, this song is garbage. Why would you waste more time continuing with that song when you can pivot it into maybe a better song, or you can spend that time to make your already pretty good song into an even better song? Because at the end of the day, right again, and we've talked about this, but You know, realistically, even the biggest artists on the planet, at most usually, have put out like one 12-song album every two years. Most of them now do like one 10-song album every three or four years. But, you know, so, but let's assume worst case scenario, right? So the expectation on an artist that's like a full-time artist, right, like with a record deal, is six songs a year. So if that's true... Like, why, why are we writing so many songs, right? Like, like, how about you spend more time making your already pretty good songs better? Because really what you want is one really good song every two months on average. If you write, you know, 10 good songs is, I would argue, not as good as one great song, right? One great song will carry you much more than a bunch of, like, good or okay stuff. But anyway, you need to consistently write good songs, right? Because at the end of the day, what is a good album? In your mind, when you think that's a great album, right? If you say about some artist you like, man, you know, in my case, Vertical Horizons Go album is a great album, which I would say, Arguably my favorite album of all time. It's up there. Now, what makes me say that? Well, it is how many songs on the album I think is great. And the fact that I can listen to that album from beginning to end. And I don't have the desire really to skip any song. And if I do have the desire to skip any song, it's just because one song is only like an eight out of 10 in my mind. And the next song is actually a 10 out of 10. So and I want to get to that because I'm so excited to hear that song for the billionth time. So what makes a a great album? What makes a good album? Probably it's having at least half of the songs be good, right? Like I, I, in my mind, you don't really like an artist if you only like, so let's, let's do this. Let's say, Let's ignore that how good an artist is and whether you like them are two different discussions, right? I've talked about this before. I believe that artistic value to some degree can be measured or dialogued about independent of how much you like something, right? Like no matter how much you like a McDonald's hamburger, that doesn't change the quality of it as far as like the quality of the meat and and how good of a burger it is is still not very good, right? Like, it's enjoyable, maybe, but that doesn't make it good, right? And just because everybody, if even if they won't admit it, likes a Big Mac, doesn't make it a quality burger, right? Those are two different discussions in the same way that whether you like, you know, whatever the newest pop star is, Let's take Taylor Swift because I like to pick on her. Whether you like her or not, that's a different discussion than whether she's actually good. She's not good because you like her, right? That's a pretty arrogant claim that I like something, therefore it's good. But anyway, so let's ignore that whole thing for a second. And let's just assume that that in this case, great album means album that you love. So I, I would argue that It's so weird to me when people say, oh, yeah, I love, you know, Breaking Benjamin or something. But the only song they know by them is, oh, yeah, Diary of Jane. Like, okay, so that means you love a song by Breaking Benjamin. Right. And almost any artist, I would hope you can find one song that you really like. Because they've put out enough songs that hopefully at least one of them resonates with you, as long as it's remotely in a genre that you find tolerable. So. An interesting question to me is at what point, how many songs does it require for you to say you like an artist? In the same way, how many songs does it require for you to like an album, right? Let's say you like, you love one song on an album. Does that mean you love the album? Well, I don't know. It depends. Do you like the rest of the album? Do you skip the rest of the album? Did you just buy the one song on iTunes back when that was actually a thing, right? Like, At what point does, does your love for a song become you love, you actually love the album. And then at what point do you like love enough albums by an artist or love enough songs by an artist that you actually love the artist itself? <clears throat> right. It's sort of like you can love a player on a sports team, but you don't love the sports team that they're a part of necessarily. But probably if you love, you know, let's take basketball because basketball tends to be a very, uh, people are more fans of the player's, Whereas the NFL tends in football tends to be more you're a fan of the team, Um, and then you're a fan of the players because they're on your team. But anyway, so if you're a fan of of you know Steph Curry and you're a fan of of I don't know LeBron and let's say that they're on the same team, which they're not, but let's say they are, you probably like that team, right? Because now two of the five starters on that team are players you love. So where's that line with You know, how many songs need to be good for it to be a great album or a good album, right? So answer that question to yourself because I think, you know, it it sort of depends. For me, probably over 50% of the songs need to be at least good and like three or four need to be what I think are great. And there needs to be like one or two songs that I actively dislike at most, something like that. I don't know. But the idea, right? is we want to consistently write good songs and we want to consistently try to get better so that if our last album, we had three really good songs and the rest were kind of filler or just okay, nothing to write home about. Next album, how about we have four, right? And then the next album, let's have five, right? We want to consistently write, we want to consistently write good songs or more consistently, right? Now I'm not saying, if you're a new songwriter, right? I'm not saying right now you need to already be writing good songs consistently enough that all of your EPs or albums, whatever you decide to do, or all of your singles, however you do it, are all really, really good. Right? You're, you're new at songwriting. That's an unreasonable expectation. I don't even really have that ex- expectation on myself. I do a little bit. Um, but like I understand not all my songs are going to be equals, right? Like some of my songs are better than other songs. That's just how it works. Some of my songs over time, I'm going to probably grow ashamed of even, right? Like that's just going to happen. That's fine. But you need to consistently be trying to get better overall, right? So if, if your first year of songwriting, you write one pretty good song actually, and then 10 kind of garbage songs next year, how about you get two pretty good songs and nine garbage songs? Or maybe one great song in 10 kind of garbage songs, right? Like every year you should be producing overall better content. And you can measure that however you want. I don't really care, right? Whether you're measuring it by how many good songs per album or how many good songs per year or however you want to measure that doesn't matter. The idea is that at the heart of this is this consistency, You need to have the trait of consistency. You need to consistently show up. You need to consistently write, right? Not just on a whim or when you feel like it. No, consistently, right? You don't shoot like Steph Curry if you only go out and shoot, shooting, practice shooting a basketball once a week, right? He probably, I don't know, but he probably every day after school shot. For hours, right? Like you do not become one of the greatest shooters of all time by accident, right? You do it by consistently practicing. So you need to consistently show up and write. You need to consistently write good songs, right? If Steph Curry just did all stupid shots that don't matter, right? If if you went in your backyard and practiced for four hours a day doing backward shots, right? That's not actually really useful in... Maybe for the Harlem Globe Prouders, but outside of that, right, like in, in the actual NBA, that is a non-useful skill, right? So it's sort of like if you consistently write, but you consistently write bad songs and you just keep pumping out more and more bad songs, like at some point that's not there's there's no usefulness to that, right? You need to actually be pumping out something good, you need to be practicing something good, you need to learn how to write good songs consistently, not just songs in general consistently. Like like consistently being bad is not good. Right? Like, yes, here in this third trait, I'm talking about consistency. But consistency is only good as long as it's good consistently, right? It's or great consistently. If you're bad consistently, that's obviously really bad. I'd rather you be bad non-consistently, right? I'd rather you have moments of greatness within the bad. So you also need to be consistently trying to get better, which is also sort of connected with that complacency issue, right? You need to not be complacent. You need to consistently be working on not being complacent by consistently trying to get better and better as a songwriter. And at the end of the day, it always comes back to this, right? You got to then trust the process, right? If you're, if you're being consistent, if you're not being complacent, and if you're understanding your strengths and your weaknesses and playing to them, if you have those three traits from there, Just keep it going, trust the process, keep working, because then you'll just be better this year than you were last year. You'll be better next year than you were this year, and you'll keep getting better and better and better, which is really all you can ask for, is getting better and better than yourself, which is your only real competition. You're not competing against anybody else. So again, three traits, consistency, not being complacent, and understanding your strengths and weaknesses and playing to your strengths and minimizing your weaknesses. Although it also should be noted that I do think it's important to work on your weaknesses. But let's, for myself, I think it's a strength of mine to write a memorable uh, sort of um, emotional ballad type of song would be a strength. So I write more of those than I do catchy songs, which I would consider a weakness of mine. This is oversimplifying a little bit, but I generally would not consider myself very strong at writing catchy songs. But I still do write catchy songs because I want to eventually turn that weakness into something that I'm at least average at. Or maybe I can even turn it into a strength, right? In an ideal world, we'll we'll eradicate all our weaknesses over time. But I also understand that my strength is emotional choruses and these big melodies and big choruses, right? Like I know that that's my strength, so I play to them. So I'm going to write more of those songs because I know that's a strength than I am the songs where I'm actively attacking my weaknesses to improve them. Just want to throw that in there. Hopefully you found this information very helpful. If you did and you're on YouTube, hit subscribe, Hit that little notification bell so that you get notified when these videos come out. They will be out every single Monday. Uh, also probably going to be doing another live stream here soon. Not sure what on yet, but I will definitely bring it up again if You listen via podcast. If you could, please leave a kind review on iTunes. That is a great way that you can help me so that more people are reached by this. If you do listen via podcast and maybe you want to watch videos or you want to know when live streams happen and stuff, be sure to head to the YouTube channel and subscribe and click the notification bell there. Um, And if you haven't already... And you want to learn, how can I become better specifically at lyric writing? Go pick up my free guide on the six steps to lyric writing. I break down my six steps so that I consistently can go from idea to a really great lyric that I'm proud of that passes my uh, frame on the wall test, right? Like you've probably heard me talk about, like in my mind, it's only a really good lyric if you can put it on the wall in a frame like you would a poem, and it stands on its own, right? It's it's a great lyric just as a poem with no music. That's when you know you have really good lyrics. So if you want that, go check out my free guide, Six Step Lyric Writing Checklist. It does have a printout. Uh, you can print out the checklist part of it, but it also breaks down each part of the checklist and pretty good detail. Uh, and then another thing that would be helpful to do that I will link in the description as I had a live stream on that same concept. Best thing you can do is to get the free guide and watch the live stream. Both of those two together will be what helps you the most. Um, and the reason that I have a whole guide for that, and I mention it here, is in my mind, the biggest, biggest thing that you can do To elevate yourself above other songwriters is lyrics, because if there's one thing that I think the standard is stupid low about, it's lyrics. There are so many bad lyrics out there. There are so many meh lyrics out there. I mean, it's to the point that I'm pretty picky about lyrics, and most of the reason that I am very picky with the artists that I really like is so, so many artists are just so bad at lyrics. And I really don't think it's necessary, and I think it's really a result of um, being musicians, right? Like, if you're a musician first, and then you you care so much about how good the guitar riff is and this other stuff, but then even though the whole meaning of your song is in the lyrics— You're not a poet, right? You're not a writer at heart. And I think more people need to be musicians and writers at heart as a songwriter because that's really what you are, right? If you really are just a musician and you just like performing and you don't care about lyrics, then maybe you should just be performing other people's songs. Anyway, if you are interested, go check out that free guide. It will be in the link in the description below. And regardless of whether you do that or not, I appreciate every second you did decide to spend with me today. I appreciate every single like, every single subscribe, all of you who have reached out to me, who have emailed me. I really enjoy dialoguing with you. I really enjoy answering your questions via email. Uh, hopefully I've been very helpful in my responses. If not, shoot me another email and be tell me. Hey, man, you didn't answer my question very well. Can you clarify what you said? Feel free to do that because my goal here is, of course, to help you because I'm trying to move this world into just a little closer to my ideal state where people are more free to create meaningful music that impacts other people and can really heal yourself because I know that uh, sometimes the best therapy is actually songwriting uh, for yourself. So my hope is to be able to help you and other people with that. If you want to join me in this mission, another thing you can always do to help is to tell a friend about this podcast or this YouTube channel, send it their way, be like, Hey, I hear you're interested in songwriting. or well, I know you're a songwriter and Send them a link to this video or send them a link to the podcast or the website, songwritertheory.com. I don't care. Whatever it is. That is another thing you can do to help me if you are so inclined. But regardless, I appreciate you giving a listen today. I appreciate you spending time with me this week. And I will talk to you next week.